God. Chrissy, can you put the pictures back up? I just wanted to show you, this is what I tried to do last week and I couldn't make them work and so. Yeah, so this is the, what's called the creative house there in Guatemala, which is the upstairs part that we're finishing. The downstairs is finished and finishing up. So this is where all the college age girls will uh, stay while they're going through college. And so you can kind of see, has a little balcony that goes around it. And um, that's what it looks like from the, it's really built on the edge there. But the greatest view, I guarantee that view will heal your soul, just looking at it. And then the other pictures were of Kenya. And that's the, what they were demolishing. That's some of the squatters' houses that were on the property we brought, bought. And we got them moved uh, to another location. And then we're, those are being torn down. And these are the, the walls that are going up around the property to uh, keep all the bad guys out. And so then once we get all that done and get everything cleared out and out of the way, then we'll be going back and building some buildings over there. So praise God, we got stuff going on everywhere. Amen? Amen. So get your Bibles out this morning. And I believe turn to probably Luke chapter 7. You can hold your finger there. Now today I'm going to attempt to finish this series that I've been on Calling what's normal. You know, the world's crazy. Everything's out of control. Nothing's normal anymore. Things that used to be simple are complicated. Uh, you know, when you, when you go in a, a store and you can't even buy toilet paper, something's wrong. Hello? And so, um, now it's, toilet paper shortage is out, is, is not there, and now it's baby formula, you know? So it's just what's, what's next? What's next? Now it's, it was corona, now it's monkey pox or something else, you know what I mean? Lord have mercy. And so, I, 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 the world's so crazy, it's so whacked out. Things you used to be able to do, you know, I went to a store the other day to buy a pair of boots. Dear Lord, if you can't buy a pair of boots in Texas, something's wrong. I had to go to three stores to find my size, you know what I mean? There's just all kinds of issues and things going on. Every one of us are feeling it. We're all feeling the pressure. Everything in the world, we're feeling pressure, pressure, pressure. But you know, that's not what God called us to do. God called us to walk in peace, amen? And he called us to walk in joy. And you're not going to have peace and joy unless you've got a relationship with Jesus. And that's, that's just the bottom line. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, there ain't going to ever seem like anything's normal, all right? So I've been trying to help you and give you some steps here. The first one was uh, the first step to get to a normal in your life. See, sometimes we get indoctrinated by all the junk. We start thinking this is normal. And folks, you can't just call things that are wrong normal. Well, that's just a new norm. No, if it's wrong, it's wrong. Don't make no difference. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's not right. And then it's just, I mean, we just got to get over that. We got to get over it. Somebody getting their feelings hurt because we don't agree with them or whatever. You know, I'm sorry. You're just going to get over your hurt feelings. I'm going to believe the word of God's true. The Bible's true. Ain't nothing wrong with my Bible. And I'm just going to read it. And whatever it says to do, I'm going to do. And then go on from there. You know, I mean, it makes it simple. Right. We have an instruction manual to follow. So but the first thing that if you're going to get back to your norm, the first thing we have to do is in our own lives, we have to repent. Now, I, I heard a preacher a long time ago talking about repentance, that we need to repent for our nation. And I was kind of like, well, I don't know what I need to know repenting for. I didn't do nothing. It wasn't me. I wasn't slave owner. didn't do any of this stuff, you know. And, and but but the Lord's been really dealing with me about <clears throat> as a nation, we're going down, down. But yet. Sometimes it's easy for us just to stay in utopia. Hello? You can live out here, man. This is a land time for God, man. Ain't nothing going on out here. You don't even know there's any issues if you just stay right around town unless somebody did something, you know, minor. 
right? There ain't, there ain't much going on. We don't have to deal with the same thing you do. But just go to San Antonio. It's a different story. Go in any big city, you know, whatever. So, but we have to have a heart of repentance. We have to have a heart to say, Lord, I'm sorry for what's going on. Amen. This is not honoring you. This is not bringing glory to you. I'm sorry for this. And so I, I preached about that. You have to go back and listen to it. Then the second step was that you have to have a desire for the kingdom of God on the inside of you. Yeah. Now, I'm just telling y'all, I, I want to be good. I don't always do good. I don't always do things right. But I mean, inside of me, I want to do good. Inside of me, I like the kingdom of God system. I love the kingdom of God system. I love that we have a righteous God. Hello? And so you have to desire to want to have the kingdom of God working in your life. That was step two. Step three was you need fellowship. Listen, you're going to get back to your norm when you start to get around other people that believe like you do. We've got to have fellowships, not the time to shut churches down. It's a time that we start getting in fellowship with one another. The fourth step was that we desire God in our thoughts, okay? That we start to get, we want, we want to have godly thoughts. We've got to get rid of the, the thoughts. Man, I tell you what, it's time to get the gun. Because right. it ain't going to do any good. There may be a day for that, but it's not now. So I'm going to the fifth step this morning. The fifth step this morning is we have to develop our understanding. You know, uh, and my wife's over there, so I got to watch it. Um, but I get on to my wife a lot of times because, you know, like it, it alarms me if she doesn't remember where she parked the car in the parking lot. And I'm like, how can I turn you loose to go to San Antonio if you can't even find the car in the parking lot? I mean, my Lord, do you know how to get home? I mean, this is scary. I love you and I want you at home. And, and if you can't remember where the car was or we're walking out, she's walking this one. I said, where are you going? She said, well, I'm going to the car. I said, it's over here. You know, <laughs> scares me. Things like that scare me. And so I'm always getting on to her about having, you know, a situational awareness of what's going on. Where'd you park the car? Look at the lamppost. Look where it is. Stop and do these things. But, you know. Jesus did not have the same understanding, thank goodness, as the rest of the people of his day. Jesus liked to mess things up, right? Jesus would go into church and he'd heal people on the Sabbath. Well, to us today, that just seems like the smartest thing in the world to go into a church and be healed on the Sabbath, right? But in those days, they considered healing work, okay? And so the Pharisees and Sadducees would get mad at Jesus, and he didn't care. He just walked into the middle of the situation. He saw somebody that was sick and needed him. He healed him, and it just messed everybody up because Jesus had a different way of thinking, a different understanding, a different situational awareness of everything that was going on, right? He saw there was a person hurting. You know, Jesus went to the poor, and the Pharisees are mad. Well, why are you going to that person's house, you know? You should be over here at my house. This is where if you're going to be somebody, you need to come and be with me over here in the rich place. Right. I'm not against rich. I love your money. Come on, send it in. We'll rescue more orphans. But I'm just saying Jesus messed things up. He didn't go with the normal kind of thinking. All right. Jesus touched lepers. Holy cow. In those days you see a leper man, you were running or throwing rocks at him, trying to get him to run. Not Jesus. He goes into the middle of it because he could see the person healed, not a leper. Okay. Jesus didn't always preach in the in the church, in the synagogue. He preached up on the side of a mountain, gather all the people out there and then they don't have any food. What does he do? Panic? No, he said, okay, bring that little boy's lunch over here and let's just multiply. So what I'm saying is that 
there's an understanding inside of us that can be developed to be more godlike, to be more Christ-like. But if you don't allow yourself to let God develop you on the inside, what happens is you always just work within your own reasoning powers, your own uh, knowledge. And that's going to get you in trouble because in this day, whatever you start reasoning and then what's getting bombarded to you is going to set a new norm in your life. And you've got to have Christ like mentality. Amen. Amen. So look at Luke 7, 11. I want to show you this one. This is a wild one. I love this story. It says, now it happened in the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, weep not. And he came and he touched the open coffin, and those who were carrying him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto you, arise. So he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Now, that is a wild story. I mean, talk about just messed up the whole funeral. You talk about freaked everybody out. The guy's dead. And he goes up to him, and look at the words here. It says, and, and, and he says, Young man, I say unto you, arise. See, Jesus wasn't very Pentecostal that day. He didn't get up in a spit plant. Yeah, the name of Jesus, come on. He said, uh, young man, arise. What? Who is this person that's looking at, at, at death? We're looking at death saying it's final. And Jesus is looking at us like, oh, young man, arise. Lazarus, come out of the tomb. You know, he just, Jesus didn't see things. And his under, and, and like we do, his understanding had been so enlightened that he knew the things of God. Death didn't even scare Jesus. Amen. Hello? Yes, and so here you go. He, he just, Jesus loved to mess things up. And that's what I think is so cool about him. But what he saw was, he says that the very first of that verse is he had compassion on the situation. He said, there's a widow, man. She ain't going to have nobody take care of her. We need to do something. Well, we being good church people would say, well, you know what we need to do? We need to, we need to take up an offering for her. Let's give her some money. Not Jesus. His thinking was, well, let's just raise the son up so he can go back to work and make some money and take care of the mother. Amen. Right? But we just don't think in those realms. All right? So 1 Corinthians 2.16 says... For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. You can have the mind of Christ. You can start to think like God. Now, God says, now, look, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. But that doesn't mean that you can't desire to have. That doesn't mean, let me just, because when I said that, I saw somebody say, oh, okay, well, I can't think like God anyway. So, okay, well, let's let him take it. No. That means you start desiring to say everything you're doing, what is, how does God want to work it out? How does God want to use you in this situation? What is God looking? You start to have a situational awareness of everything going on. Say, wait a minute. I know that. I know what I'm thinking, Lord, but what are you thinking? And the Bible says, but we have the mind of Christ. So that means it's available to you. It's not something far-reaching. It's not something like you got to go to four years of a, a, of a theological institute to, to, to get this. It's, just, it's available to you. It's right here. The mind of Christ is in you, okay? 
Now, a word that's been really taken and misused is the word enlightenment, because there's a lot of crazy cults that have used that word enlightenment. But really, it means the light got turned on. You know, how many of you stumped your toe in the dark because you didn't stop to turn the light on? Hello? You only do that once in life. Hang your little toe on something, you're only going to do that once. Next time, you're going to turn the light on. Right? And so, you know, there's a certain amount, like, if, if, you, if you are in the dark, there's a certain amount of vision that you do have. Right? I mean, you know, it's just not like, but just not good vision. So why would you want to walk in that? Why would we want to live like that? Why would you want to be a Christian that has the ability to have the mind of Christ in you, but you choose to feel your way around through life? Huh? I remember one time I was in Mexico. We were staying at this pastor's house. And man, we were deep down in Mexico. And we'd been preaching that day. And we went and, and we're staying in a little room he had offside there. And man, you know, it was a little, 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 uh, <clears throat> what could I say? Uh, what are the best accommodations in life? And uh, I was laying there in the bed, and when the light went out, it, I started laughing because where we were, there was no windows or anything. And, and when the light was off, man, I'm telling you, you could not see your hand in front of your face like being a cave. And I started laughing, you know, because of the situation. I said, well, one thing is nobody can get me in here because they can't see me. And I'm not going to fight anything out here. I just hope nothing crawls on me because I had to scream like a little girl and try to, you know. Find something, but it, it was just hilarious because it was the darkest I think I'd ever seen. This lights went out and it was dark. But why do we want to live like that? See, what blows my mind is why do people want to live in darkness? I want to be enlightened. I want the light switch turned on in my life. Why not? It's easier to walk that way. But why do people want to live in darkness? Well, I'll tell you why, because they don't want they to be exposed to the light of the gospel. And folks, this is a bad place to be when you want to stay in darkness and you don't want to get in light. So look at Ephesians 1.17. Ephesians 1.17. You've got to come to the revelation that it's available to you. The light of God, the revelation of God, the understanding of the, you know, however you want to look at the mind of Christ. But Ephesians 1.17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you. He may give to you. Now, Paul's praying this over the church at Ephesus. So would Paul pray something that wasn't available? No, no right? He's going to pray something for them that they could obtain. That God may give, that, that the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, what's he going to pray? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So these eyes of your understanding, once they become enlightened, that will give you the revelation of the knowledge of him. Do you see what he's saying there? So then you have these eyes on the inside of you, these eyes of understanding by the spirit. When you were born again, when you made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, boom, they came on the inside of you. They're sitting there and they can be enlightened. They can be opened up. And you can see things differently than you're seeing things now. How many times in my life, I cannot tell you, I have been through a situation 
and I said, man, why in the world is this going on today? Rebuke the situation, rebuke what was taking place. God all Pentecostal, spit flying, calling down fire from heaven to change the situation. And in the middle of that situation, I found God wanted me to do something. And I was trying to get out of it. Right? Told y'all the other day about my truck breaking down. Truck broke down and I pulled into the dealership, didn't want to be there. They told me, well, go do this and go bring it back. And then the thing still messed up again. And I had to go back and I was mad not want to do it. Lord, I got other things to be doing. Why am I doing this? How can this be done? I just grabbing and complaining, pulled into the dealership. And a man I hadn't seen in several years was there. And we got to have a great conversation. And I said, well, I mean, not saying you broke my truck, Lord, but I sure am glad I came by today because I got to see my friend and everything was good. It happened to me again the other day. I was complaining about a situation, didn't want to be in it. Thought this is terrible, but I was right where I needed to be in the middle of it. You see, some folks, sometimes folks, we're just we're just got our eyes closed. We're not looking at what's going on around us. We're not walking with eyes of understanding to see what has God got us going through right now or where are we going through right now and what does God want to do? Amen. But once your eyes, your understanding are enlightened, once you start to you, you start to desire this, you start getting back to the norm that is the norm of God. Not the norm of this world. You start shaking things up around you. Okay. Now, the devil's trick is always this to get you to make to get you to think God did something wrong. Oh, man, he loves to pull that on people. Oh, man, get them all mad at God when it was him. I never forget one time. uh, 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 This is probably a bad story to tell, but I'm going to tell it. Um, but my sister and I did something that wasn't right. And, uh, we were, we were, we were naughty and I got away with it. I got to bed real quick and I didn't think mother noticed and, but she didn't and she got caught. And, uh, the first words out of her mouth was Robert was with me too. <laughs> and I was like, Rrr. got caught. All right. And so that's how we are sometimes. We're, 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 the devil is doing that. He's trying to make you blame God. Oh, God, if you'd have done this or if you'd have done that or whatever, whatever and get you over there on that. Because, see, then you start walking in darkness. You start, you start missing the fellowship. Because First John tells us that when we have fellowship with God, we walk in the light. Hello? But the moment you get angry, the moment you get into rebellion, the moment you get into offense, the moment you get into whatever, you're walking out of the light back over into the darkness. So you're not going to see things right. Your judgment's going to be skewed. Everything's going to be wrong. And so what God, what the devil wants to do is make us think God's not doing it. When in reality, he is right there saying, come on, walk in the light. So let me go to Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Revelation 3, 14. Revelation 3.14 says, And the angel of the church at Laodicea write, These things say, Amen, and the faithful and the true, the witness and the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were, were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And I do not know that you are wretched. See, you do not know. That you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Wow. He's saying these guys 
in their, in their, what they're thinking about in their mind, man, they got it made. We're doing the best we've ever done. I'm on top of the world. And God says, no, you got the wrong understanding. You're looking at it through the wrong eyes. So you got the wrong mind. You were wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. Wow. But see, this shows you that there's, there's two ways of thinking. There's this world way of thinking, this world system and God way of thinking. I don't know about you folks. I just want to please Jesus. He's the one coming back to get us. I'm going to live forever in heaven, not on earth. Right? He says, so I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you, that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not, may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Wow. There's an anointing to open up your eyes. At the end of the message today, I'm going to be praying that anointing over you to open up your understanding, the eyes of your understanding. And I'm going to believe God that he's going to do it. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Now, look at this one. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know what? This is the, the, another thing that really amazes me about Jesus. He's Jesus. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Amen. He has the keys of death, hell and the grave in his hand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He has been triumphing over everything. He is the king. Yet he knocks at the door of everybody's heart. Yeah. It doesn't just walk in there, boom, kick the door open. Hey, what are you going to do? You going to serve me or not? Heaven or hell, which one's it going to be, boy? See, that's why I'm not a king. <laughs> he knocks at the door. Knocks at the door of your heart. Just says, hey, can I come in? Knocks at the door. See if you'll open. Bold, I send the door knocking. Anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Don't you think that if you're eating with Jesus, you're going to learn something? Yes. Amen. So remember, first John says fellowship is light. So if you open up the door to your heart and let Jesus come in and you spend time with him, then you're going to be in the light. So then your understanding is going to get enlightened and you're going to be able to see things differently than what's going on. I don't know how many times. Um. In my life, I could tell you story after story after story after story of things and events that's happened in life that I, I caught it right before I fell into it, the trap. And now I can also tell you times and times and times again that I did not listen and I missed it. But I can tell you there's been times in my life that, that, that because I was spending time with Jesus and having a fellowship with him and reading my Bible and, and talking to the Lord and sitting at his feet, and kind of, that there was something happened. Somebody came and said something or something, some event happened or something happened. I was like, wait a minute. That looks on the outside like this, but that's not really that. It's, it's this. And you're wanting to get me, you're wanting to take me off over here. I'm going to get, you're going to get me in trouble. This is, this is the devil about to get me in trouble. And I backed off 
and, and got out of it. And why is that? It's just understanding. Understanding what's going on. See, folks, listen to me. If you go read uh, any of the Gospels where it talks about the, the sower, sowing the word, and it talks about the four types of, of ground that was there, right? The very first one, it says that the devil comes immediately to steal the seed that was sown. I can tell you all an event is going to take place as soon as I say amen and you walk out those doors and church is over with. The enemy is going to want to steal what was sown in you today out of your heart somehow. It's going to take place. And there's nothing you can do to keep the thief from coming. The only thing you can do is have understanding when he comes to not lose it. Are you all with me? It's going to take place. There's a war going on right now. There's always a war of, 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 of evil trying to pull on your soul. It's always going to be there. As long as we're in this world, it's going to be there. The day we get out of here, whoosh, we're gone. You don't have to worry about it anymore. But until that day, it's always going to be there, just working and working and trying to get you tripped up and are becoming lukewarm like that church at Laodicea, trying to just be, you know, milk toast Christians. It's always working at us. Don't be, don't be shocked when it happens. It's just what goes on in the world always taking place. Amen? Amen. Look at the person beside you and say, you ain't getting out of it. So sitting at the feet of Jesus is the only way this is ever going to work to help you keep going. All right. So let's go to Luke chapter 8. Luke 8, 26. Luke 8, 26. It says, then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. <clears throat> and when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had a demon for a long time. And he wore no clothes and he did, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs and in the tombs. And so I'm going to cut this story up and just stop for pause for a second. Now, I was reading this, and, and it was just as I was reading it, I got to thinking, you know, and I just kind of like, I don't know, I just, I, I, it just like, I never looked at it like this before. Because you think of Legion, you think of, I mean, you know, if you've ever been in, well, I mean, they got them, we've got, we got demon-possessed people here in the United States, too, but if you ever went to a foreign country and, and they're, I mean, it's like, no doubt, that, that, that person's whacked, I mean, they're, they're, they're out. And pretty easy to pick out. And so I, when I was reading this, I was thinking, how did he get that way? You know, how did Legion get that way? Legion is only called Legion because he had so many devils in him. And I just thought to myself, I wonder how he got that away. Because, you know, you just think, oh, he's bad dude, you know, did this and that and the other. And as I was, so I was reading it and I was just kind of praying about it. I said, Lord, that's, you know, how did he get demon possessed? What happened? What was he doing in life? And it was just like I heard the still small voice of the Lord speak to me. He says, it, it was a little bit at a time. All right. You know, we always just think of, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know what we think of. But I'm just saying you don't sit around too much thinking about Legion. How did he become, have a thousand devils and even become demon possessed living in the tombs? And it was just like, yeah, it was a little bit. See, it's the small steps that the devil wants us to take towards darkness that keeps us 
going farther into darkness until we can't find our way back to the light. And that's what happened to Legion. He wasn't just walking down the road one day and said, dead gum, my neighbor's dog's in my garden again. Boom, got a thousand devils. I can guarantee it didn't happen that way. All right. But it was a little bit at a time, a little bit of sin and all over the time. And then all of a sudden, boom, he found himself in this bad place. It says, so when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him with a loud voice saying, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Now, this is not the man talking, but this is the demon talking. For he had a command for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For he had often seized him and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was even driven by the demons into the wilderness. And Jesus said unto him, saying, what is your name? And he said, Legion, because the demons had, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out of the, into the abyss. Now, a herd of many swine were feeding there on the mountains. And so they begged him that he would permit them to enter in. Now, when he permitted them, the demons went out of the man and they entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place and into the lake and drowned. When those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it to the, into the city and in the country. And when they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man who, was who had the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. Wow. Think of this. Think of the beauty of this story. Here's this guy that's so totally lost that started sinning a little bit at a time, got himself into this huge trap, got himself into a place that he's, you know, living in the tombs, shackled and everything is, a, you know, a horrible life, a horrible existence on earth, just basically being nothing but a host for demons. And then Jesus sets him free and he sets him free. And the man is sitting there clothed in his right mind, talking with the king of kings. What a beautiful story, right? So the next verse says, and then they were afraid. And they also who had seen it told them by what means he had been demon possessed was healed. And the whole multitude in the surrounding region of the gatherings asked for him to depart from them. What? What? A miracle has just taken place. And this crazy man has been healed and he's sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? But that group was so full of fear, they said, depart from us. It's always amazed me when, when I have been in any situation to preach the gospel to somebody and then they rejected it. Because I'm like, man, are you stupid or what? Why would you want to reject Jesus? Why would you want to not have eternal life? Why would you not want to be head to heaven? Why are you going to live your life like you're doing and think maybe you're going to be okay and just die like a dog and that's it? And then, you know, there is no hereafter. But why would you take that chance? Why would you do that? And it's always just blown my mind. But these people literally see a miracle sitting there and they say, get out of here, depart from us. Because, see, their understanding was darkened. And to Jesus, it's like, they're like, this is freaky. We don't want to be, we don't want anything to happen. Just, just leave. Yet not seeing the beauty of the man. Nobody sat, nobody around him saying, now hold on guys. That guy we know was crazy. Same thing when that, when Jesus healed people in church, there was a miracle took place 
And they said, we're going to have to kill him. He's, he's healing on the Sabbath. Was there not somebody had some sense to just stand around and say, ah, he just healed a guy. What are you talking about? That's what gets me about what's going on today in the world. I just want to stop and say, what? Is there, has all reason been thrown out the window? So it goes on and says, in the whole multitude surrounding the region, the gatherings asked him to depart, for they were seized with great fear, and he got into the and, and he got into a boat to return. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. They begged him. He said, They said, well, Can I just go with you? Hello? You see, I know somebody truly has given their heart to Jesus and truly has been their eyes open. When no matter what happens, they just want to follow Jesus. Yes. It's the, 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 you know, Sunday only Christians that make me nervous. Amen. Because they look good on the outside, like everything's okay. But, you know, down on the inside, it ain't right. All right. Hello? And so this man, he says, I want to go. Well, I'm going to go with you, Jesus. I'm going to go with you. Because, see, when that, when that happens to you, all you want to do is spend time with him. Yeah. But Jesus says to him, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way. He proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus has done for him. Now, you can take this story and go back. And Jesus came back to that region and had great revivals because that man went to ten, the whole region of tenant regions around there telling what Jesus had done for him. And when, then when Jesus came back, he had great, great, great revival because the people's hearts were open because of what this man had done. When you get to heaven, this guy, we don't know. See, we shouldn't call him Legion because that was the name of the demon. I mean, his name may be Paul Smith. I don't know. I doubt it since he's a Jewish boy, you know, so. But anyway, when you get to heaven, y'all are going to look over and say, who's that dude? And they're going to say, oh, that's the one whom Jesus cast the devils out. And I believe he's going to have a great reward. I believe he's going to be one of the great apostles up there because in the sense that this man this man was a great evangelist for jesus but he spent time at his feet you see folks he spent time at jesus's feet and i'm telling you we're too busy in this world we're too busy with everything going on we're too busy running around we've got so many things pulling on us we've got so much this look you don't even have time to watch the news and get mad about it Right? You're just wasting your time. You can watch the news and pray about it, but there's no sense getting mad about it. No sense going to the coffee shop and talking and griping and complaining and, and carrying on and doing all this kind of stuff. You're not getting anywhere. You're wasting time. Where you need to be is at the feet of Jesus. Now, I just want to tell you this. Everybody is different. Listen to me. Everybody's different. We're all different. And how you get to the feet of Jesus has got to be your own way. Hello? All right. I mean, maybe you have to have your mood music. You got to have some worship going on. You got to light some candles, burn some incense. I don't really care what you do to get to the feet of Jesus. Just don't get goofy and religious. Hello? Don't think you have to have something like that to get you to the feet of Jesus. Right? The way, and I've said this so many times, 
that I, this may sound crazy, but I don't ever pray longer than about 10 minutes, but I don't let 10 minutes go by that I'm not praying. I mean, you know, in other words, I'm just all the time I'm having a conversation with the Lord. It's about everything. Lord, why will this stupid screw not get in this hole? That may not be some official prayer, but I'm still having fellowship with the Lord. He's involved with me. He's looking over my shoulder saying, well, get the other screwdriver. Oh, okay. Are you all with me? I used to get so mad. I was, I was, I was a road rager. And I'd get so mad driving down the road. And then one day the Lord said, you got to quit this. You have got to quit this. You were just cursing people everywhere. Now, remember, there's cussing and there's cursing. Right? Cussing's just foul words. Cursing is meaning you want lightning bolt to come from heaven and strike them. And so I wasn't into cussing. I was into cursing. I wanted to seem fry right there. And the Lord told me, he said, you're going to have to cut this out. This is, you've got to stop this, Robert. And so I, I said, well, what am I going to do? He said, pray for him. I said, oh, pray for him. Man, just go ahead and cut me deep, Jesus. Cut me deep. So I did. Somebody cut me off. Somebody did something. Some crazy fool did something. Lord, I just say, Lord, bless that crazy fool. Bless him, God. Bless him. That's how I started doing it. Until finally now, it doesn't bother me too much. I said too much. <laughs> it's a work in progress, okay? But it don't bother me too much. But the point is, you've got to have time with Jesus. You've got to spend time with Jesus. You've got to keep your, your situational awareness on Jesus. Always be looking, where are you right now, Lord? All right? right? Yeah. Where are you? What are you doing? You gotta be like this, this demon-possessed guy. You gotta be willing to sit at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, man, I need some help. I need, I need, I need you to be leading me and guiding me today, Lord. Now, if you're like, you know, more, I don't know what you'd call it, more cultured than I am, and and you have another way of doing it and praying and 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 do, that is glorious. Just be doing it. All right. Just be doing it. Because then you're going to be sitting at the feet of Jesus and he's going to start opening your eyes and you're going to start saying, oh, now I understand that person over there is acting like they are because of this. Oh, OK, Lord, I see that now. Your whole awareness opens up. Most people are sitting down with Jesus with a grocery list, wanting him to fill it. And saying, Lord, I need some of this, some of this, some of this, some of this. I was laughing at my wife the other day because, you know, the new thing is, is, is call your groceries in or, you know, order your groceries and then go to curbside pickup, right? But then we always, she always gets home and then she's like, why did they pick this out? You know, why, what is, gosh, what were they thinking here, you know? And, and I just had to laugh. I'm like, you didn't do it. I didn't say that. I have not said those words until right now. And so I'm going to look this way, okay? But my thought has always been when I hear, and I'm a good husband, so I'm just not going to say anything because I don't want to start nothing at the house. That's why I'm starting it in church. <laughs> but my thought is, you didn't go in there and pick the thing up. So somebody else went in there and said, oh, this looks like a good tomato or whatever. This looks like a good squash one. You know? And so I said, so, you, you know. 
How can you complain about it? You didn't do it. Somebody else did it. <laughs> Come preach to this side. But isn't that the way we are with Jesus? We're complaining about what's going on, just like the personal shopper. We're complaining that it should have been this way or that way. Why didn't you do this and why didn't you do that? Well, who are you, the executive secretary to the Holy Ghost? Last time I checked, he's in charge and you're the servant. So if you spend some time at his feet, maybe you'll figure out why things are going on like they're going on. Instead of sitting around complaining and telling the Lord why he should have done this or that. Because when you sit at the feet of Jesus, it's not about just having, it's one thing to go to the feet of Jesus and sit down and hear from him, but it's the revelation that you get from him that is what changes your life. Okay? It's not just like you went through the motion. No, it's the revelation of it that changes your life. Because then that's in you forever. I mean forever. You never leaves you. That's what you live on. That's what you feed on. And then when situations arise, you're like, "Ah, okay. I already know what to do here because, Lord, you've already placed it in me. My understanding has been enlightened, and I see what's going on. I've told y'all, and I'm going to close on this. I have told y'all and told y'all and told y'all that everything you see going on in the world right now is not about politics. That's right. All right? They make it that and they call it that, but it's not. And you can't get caught up in all of that. And you've got to stay over here and online and at the feet of Jesus saying, Lord, Lord, Lord. I want my eyes anointed with eye salve. I want to be able to see. I want the eyes of my understanding to be enlightened, Lord, so that I can walk in everything going on. And I want to tell you something, church. He will do it. He will do it. He will lay it out before you. It'll be so evident and so clear. And that revelation comes to you and it changes your whole life. Amen. 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 Well, put your Bibles up and stand up if you would. Let me have my prayer team come down. For those of you out watching today or listening to the broadcast, I just want you to know, man, Jesus loves you. And if you've never been to the feet of Jesus, you've never asked him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, you've, you, this is the first time you've ever heard something like this, I just want you to know the Bible's real simple. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you'll confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God, that Jesus, man, I tell you, it just touches my heart right now because I just feel like somebody out there, you're really, you're really hung on. You're, you're grabbing hold of this right now. Listen to me. It says, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that he died and he arose again for your sins, that you would be saved. So right there, just start calling out to Jesus. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want to live at your feet for the rest of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. And right there, the Spirit of God will touch you. And let's begin to dis minister into your heart and you'll know what salvation truly is. All the darkness will begin to flee and the light turns on. If you're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's why we have prayer team people up here. We, I'm asking you to be bold enough to come forward and to pray with one of them and say, I want Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I want him to, 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 to cleanse me of my sins.
and get my light turned on. Amen. And so if you're in here today, I just want to invite you to come to the front as soon as I, I, I conclude here in prayer and just come to the front and pray with one of our prayer people. But listen to me, church. I believe right now for a miracle. I believe some of you listen to me. I, I'm not I'm not saying this to strike fear into you. I'm just telling you some of you are, are you're getting sidetracked. You're going to get over into too much darkness and you need to be at the feet of Jesus. You need to get out of all the griping and complaining. You need to get out of all the murmuring. You need to get out of all that kind of stuff and just spend time at the feet of Jesus. And when you do and he touches you, man, that's a good place to live. So I'm going to pray for you right now. And if you want this prayer, well, then turn your faith on, grab hold of it, and it's yours. So, Father, I pray for everybody in here, everybody watching and listening, Lord. I just pray for them, Lord, right now that, that what you said in Revelation 3 about the anointing of the ISAB to come upon us to enlighten our understanding, Lord God, so that we could grab hold of the revelation of who you are, Jesus. Because that's what you said, that you'd give us wisdom and a revelation of you. And Lord, when we see that and we see who you are and what's going on and how you're working things out, Lord, then it makes sense to us. But we have to have that revelation. So, Lord, I pray for us that we not be a lukewarm church, that we be a church that's on fire for you, that we be a church that's at your feet, that, Lord, we're also clung around your feet. You can't even get up or you'll stumble because, Lord, we're hung all around you, hanging on to like kids on your on, on your legs, Lord. And I just thank you, Lord, for, for each person that today is a new day in their life. That, Lord, they've heard the knock on the door of their hearts and they've opened up the door. And, Lord, you're doing a great thing, doing miracles for them. I believe you for revelation coming and flowing to each and every person. That, Lord, after today will never, ever be the same. Because, Lord, our eyes have been enlightened. So bless them today, Lord. Lord, bless them and then let us be like Legion was and go out there and tell everybody the good news. Tell everybody what great things, Jesus, you've done for us. And Lord, we just give you all the praise for it. Bless these people. Bless them as they go, Lord God. And just bring us all back together again. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Church, God bless you. Our prayer team's up here if you need us.